are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an October 27th, Thursday night, Friday morning, really, probably, for you, episode of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson, a writer for BlazersEdge.com, the former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to the show. Fine solo again. Dane is off this week. I'm sorry if I failed to mention that, but... uh, There is basketball to discuss, and the Portland Trailblazers dropped their second game of the season to fall to a 1-1 as the Los Angeles Clippers dominated the Blazers late in this game, and they cruised to a 114-106 victory over the Portland Trailblazers. Great performances from Blake Griffin and Chris Paul. Uh, Blake Griffin was fantastic with 27 points and 23 rebounds. And Chris Paul was excellent throughout the game, as he usually is, with 27 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds. And he was efficient doing it, as was Griffin for the most part. Uh, Griffin got to the line uh, and really just... More so than his pure efficiency, I think his physicality really wore on the Blazers in this game. You know, it really seemed like while Alpha Rukaminu forced Griffin into some tough situations and Griffin's end ending field goal percentage numbers weren't all, you know, weren't that great, I think he really did give the the Clippers a, a lot uh, throughout the game, causing problems, and really showed again why there are times when Blake Griffin can be one of the best players, you know, one of the best three or four players in the world. And uh, while Chris Paul closed it late and really is still the straw that stirs the drink. I think Blake really takes them to the next level and is what is what really is is a thing that gives Portland problems. I, you can't say that uh you know size matters on one end where the Blazers are taking advantage of a size mismatch with Mo Harkless, you know, cutting on the baseline and pu- getting position deep in the post. You, know, you can't say that it matters there and that it didn't matter with uh, Blake against Aminu. I don't think anybody really particularly could have done a great job against Blake. I know I tweeted during the game that I thought I would have, you know, I would have liked to see Noah Vonley get a chance against Blake, and he had his chances. And um, I think really what ended up happening is that Blake, you know, his numbers averaged out after he kind of got hot against Aminu in the third quarter. But where the Blazers really lost this game was at the start of the second and fourth quarters in this game. I mean, the the, the Clippers bench was a, a huge difference maker. And the, the bench it, for the Clippers has not been something that a lot of people talk about. It, it is usually more uh, referred to as a weakness. And 
their bench was was dominant tonight. Everybody on their bench, from Austin Rivers to Maurice Spates, who they signed in the offseason, Jamal Crawford, anybody they had on the bench, almost all I think all of them. Let's uh check the uh the tape here, but uh pretty much all of them. So starting with Austin Rivers, who had a plus four plus minus, everybody else on the Clippers bench had a plus minus of eighteen of seventeen or above. And the Blazers reserves all had plus minuses of negative one or worse. So nobody on the Blazers tonight was um, in the positive on the plus minus. Noah Vonley, or excuse me, Shabazz Napier had the best uh, plus minus, and he that doesn't that shouldn't even really count. It really should be negative seven or worse because Napier played all of fifty five seconds when the Blazers were trying to foul late in the game. So you know, uh, not a great night for the bench. And not a great night uh, for Evan Turner as Turner continues to struggle uh, through two games. Evan Turner, three for 15 from the field, six assists, and 11 rebounds. Um, you know, it, we, we still need to give it a little time, but the fit is tough right now. Uh, it seems like the bench can't really get going. The Clippers really won this game tonight when the second units were out there as great as CP and Blake were and as physical as this game got late and emotional. I think that the, you know, the basketball reasons why the Blazers lost this game, you know, when it really comes down to it was the, was the Clippers bench was better. Austin rivers was fantastic tonight on, you know, uh, you know, Jamal Crawford did Jamal Crawford things. And, uh, you know, Maurice Spates also really, you know, brought some problems. But I think, you know, from the Blazers' perspective, I think you, know, you want to know, you know, whether you should panic or not tonight. You know, whether whether the Evan Turner thing is working out because he he has really struggled the first two games. Um, not really looked like he's fit in. Alan Crabb has had a good game. Maurice Harkless has had a good game. I mean, I mean, a good game. I, Harkless was, this is as, as good as it's going to get, I think, for, for Harkless. Uh, 23 points, 8 rebounds, really took advantage of uh, J.J. Redick down uh, underneath the hoop. Uh, he had 15 shot attempts, which I can't ever remember. Uh, Maurice Harkless having 15 shot attempts as a Blazer, um, let alone ever. Uh, I'm not going to, I didn't basketball reference that, but that's just a lot of shots for Maurice Harkless. Uh, take my word for it. And Mason Plumley had a game, 17 points, eight rebounds, four assists, looking like the guy that really lifted the Blazers up in that playoff series against these same Clippers. But ultimately the bench for Portland and Al Farouk as well, just not able to do enough to kind of help the rest of the guys out. And I think most concerning, I think Aminu was pretty solid last night. I think most concerning right now, if you're a Blazer fan, is how is Evan Turner doing? You know, it, when is it going to click? And the answer, which is not a perfect one, is it's going to take some time. Um, and you 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 see it with the Warriors. They're having trouble integrating Kevin Durant, the second best player in the league, onto their team with a bunch of other great players. 
they, if things are not going perfectly well. And so it's fair for there to be an adjustment period, a grace period where Turner is given a chance to fit in and really get to know how to play off these guys. Right now, the the bench unit for the 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 Blazers, the the bench units with Turner out there, just haven't been all that great. And um, I, I wouldn't say that it's time to to be concerned about anything. Um, I, I don't I don't think that it, it there's it that is um, should be at all the thought process uh, regarding Turner. I, I generally think that it, it's a little too early to make much of, uh, you know, on on court, off court, plus minus at this point, just because we're only two games into the season. I think we need to let that sample play out a little bit before we can make any assumptions. But uh, Turner himself hasn't played well, and the Blazers haven't. We can at least say that they have not excelled thus far in their time with the second unit with Evan Turner out there. Uh, I don't think they've excelled. And I, and again, tale of two nights, you know, they, they looked pretty good, even though Turner himself did not look good. Uh, you know, they, they look, a lot of their guys looked good off the bench against the jazz. So, uh, you know, not time to overreact just yet, but, um, if you, if you have any, any type of feeling, uh, about the blazers and, Maybe you think they'll they'll bounce back next game or or what 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 have you, um, I, and and knowing that you love basketball, uh, I, I think you should definitely get into the action over at betdsi.com. For over twenty years, it has been the top rated business. It's a safe place for you to bet on your favorite sports, and they've got specials on basketball right now. And if you sign up today, you get $10 to try their free service. BetDSI also offers a 100% bonus on your first deposit. So definitely think you should do that. Great deal. Fast and easy payment of your winnings. And there's literally hundreds of football and basketball wagers to choose from. You got UFC. You got Clump, uh, <laughs> Clump, Trump versus Clinton. Uh, election odds that you can also bet on at BetDSI, and they also have live in-game wagering on football, basketball, and other major sporting events. You can basically play anything that you want at BetDSI.com. Go to BetDSI and use the promo code BLAZERS10, that's BLAZERS, like the team, and the number 1010 to get your free wager and start winning today. Back to the bench, they were pretty disappointing tonight and I think that you have to get definitely give credit to the Clippers bench uh, for their performance and for their win and for their success in this game because I, I really think that the addition of Marie Spates I think Cole Aldrich is a good backup center but I think that perhaps a player like Spates coming off the bench and playing against opposing bench units who normally post lower offensive ratings. I think having a guy like Spates who can just fill it up sometimes from deep and and also does it in a way that is just 
it's more conducive to the conventions of the modern game. And what, when I say that, what I mean is playing pick and roll basketball, having a big man that can space the floor, helping create more spacing. That's, that's basically what I mean by the conventions of the modern game. And while Cole Aldrich is good at, the things that he does well, he's got a little hook shot. He can protect the rim a little bit, you know, pretty good deterrent. You have a guy like Marie Spates who can step out knock down three pointers and scored 15 points off the bench tonight. And I think most important of all, you know, Ed Davis is not a rim protector, but he is more comfortable out in the paint. And I think that one of the, they, really were able to spread the Blazers out. And I, I like Noah Vonley projecting defensively too, but the Blazers big men struggled, you know, Spates got hot obviously, but um, I, I think that that's a good development on the Clippers side of things. I think that that actually sets them up to be a better team come playoff time and a better team than the one even when healthy last year than the one that the Blazers played in the playoffs. I think Rivers has another year under his belt and the confidence from that playoff series. And the the Clippers really are scary. They showed why tonight. I think they're going to be the second best team in the West. I think they are the, I think they are uh, in their own tier in this conference after the Warriors. Um, but you know the Spurs are right there. I know before the season, I, I I was I was riding that corner hard that the Spurs, uh, this may be the year. I was worried about you know post Duncan fallout. You know who would step up and uh, they, they they show up and Kawhi Leonard is balling. They start two and zero uh, and they beat the Warriors by twenty nine. So um, definitely the Spurs are there too. But I think the Clippers are also right there, and I think they um, have even improved their position by the moves that they made. I know that. Uh, Doc Rivers, uh, especially uh, from from those of us who spend a lot of time talking about basketball on Twitter, has has gotten his fair share of of uh, flack for for a lot of the moves and you know all the 2009 Eastern Conference Finals references for for all the guys that he signed, having played against those those fun Celtics teams that won a championship. But he really did a good job of filling out the back end of this roster with guys uh, that can play and Spates was one of those nice moves. And while you don't ever want to count on Wesley Johnson, Wesley Johnson did a couple of good things tonight too in his short time, but uh, you know, he manages the minutes and uh, I I think that he really gets the most out of his guys and he keeps a short rotation, especially in games like this against good teams. But um, credit to Doc Rivers and the Clippers for really improving their bench because they uh, really needed to make up some kind of ground when they're not getting in on the Durant sweepstakes and and the and the Warriors are um, another another thing I'd like to talk about regarding tonight's game was you know the Blazers and the Clippers they they do this and and and, and they have these really physical battles. And, you know, there were a couple of flagrants late in the fourth quarter that um, while the Clippers were starting to build momentum or had built some momentum after the Blazers played well in the third quarter, 
the, the, there were a couple flagrant fouls, uh, one on Plumlee, one on CJ McCollum, Plumlee and DeAndre Jordan had gotten into it on the sideline. Uh, they didn't call anything on DeAndre Jordan when he shoved, uh, Mason Plumlee over by the sideline, forcing, uh, Plumlee to kind of fall on a kid. But, um, you know, uh, they, and, and I don't know what you can call there. I don't know if there's necessarily like a, 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 as mean as it is to say, I don't know if there's necessarily a technical foul or a, a flagrant foul for uh, a player landing. Luckily, the kid was okay. Um, and But uh, the Blazers had a couple of flagrant fouls tonight. Plumlee played great, played with intensity, but also uh, was a little bit on the wild side tonight. He and DeAndre Jordan got into it a lot. CJ McCollum decked DeAndre Jordan. Um, I think Jordan... And Griffin, you know, are, are pretty good at selling those things like that. But uh, McCollum, also not that tall, hard to get up, and, and and kind of actually really contested DeAndre Jordan's shot, and he just shoved him. And so, I, I mean, I mean, not shoved him, but like I think he made enough contact to not uh, get dunked on, like Brandon Knight. So, um, but they called a flagrant for that, and um, you know, I, I, I th- that that was their call. Um, it was certainly a call. I can't. I, I don't know what a flagrant is anymore, so I can't really say that the the refs have have hard and fast rules, and that these refs, this crew, clearly uh, messed up. Because in this league, it, it, it's just like the catch in football. I don't know what a catch in football is, and I don't know what a flagrant foul is in basketball. It's really hard to tell, and so. Um, I, I I get you, you know I I I get the frustration, uh, but at the same time, this is officiating is hard. It's hard in the NFL. It's hard in the NBA, and uh, it is what it is. There's there's always going to be some kind of element there, and so uh, and and I think that's just that's part of the game. So uh, and I know the. <laughs> There was a weird call at the end when it looked like the Blazers were maybe trying to foul, but then the refs didn't call it. And then J.J. Redick said he fouled me to uh, the to uh, referee Lauren Holtkamp. And um, then there was a foul. And then Holtkamp called a foul on the Blazers, like seven seconds left, and the Blazers were up in arms, and it was a really weird foul. But I think really, you know, it was just a bunch of tensions boiling at the end of this game, and these guys were these teams get really really emotional and the I think the the Clippers sensitivity to the referees has rubbed off on the Blazers to an extent especially when they play these teams when they play so many times and also probably see a lot of the benefits that the Clippers get sometimes I don't think that the Clippers are like you know buddy buddy with the refs but I do think that having that constant it, it creates, it puts pressure on them to make calls for you. And uh, the, the Blazers do that so much more now. And I think that, you know, you see it really come out when these two teams play. Not to say that, um, you know, is it is it that fun to watch? Um, but um, I also can't, it, it's, it's not the most fun thing to watch. But at the same time, I, I can't say that not every uh, team has, has some degree of that. But the, the Clippers, obviously, more so. Um, and, and also probably cause their coach is also a little bit more vocal, but, um, 
yeah, really, really saw a lot of that from both sides tonight. But really, at the end, things just really kind of got out of hand. And thankfully, the game was over by that point, and there was no uh, chance the Clippers were going to lose it at the end of the fourth quarter. But, um, you know, as far as good stories on the Blazers' front uh, for the bench, I, I know I talked about how they got outplayed and how Evan Turner has struggled from the field. And... Uh, not really gotten going, and that bench unit hasn't really thrived. Noah Vonley got uh, another look for the second straight game. Good early, not so good late. Reminders throughout the game, you know, that he's still young. I think also the way that the Clippers played was going to put some pressure on any defenses because I think of the spacing and the way that they play small. I think it's just a different way to go. And, uh, the Blazers didn't do that great of a job. I thought Ed Davis having to get pulled out to the perimeter to guard Spades was a little tough. I know that that Davis did do that a lot last year for the Blazers when they decided to switch Myers Leonard onto centers after trying him on power forwards and Davis chased guys around the perimeter, but perhaps he's just with another year under his belt, he just may not that he either may not be that comfortable with it or the Blazers just don't want to put him in that position yet. They may believe that it's more advantageous to go with a younger, uh, a quicker guy like Vonley out there on the perimeter because Leonard is younger, but he's just not that quick, especially for a lot of the fours that exist in today's NBA that are quicker. They are what we would refer to as small forwards in the early 2000s or the late 90s, at least in terms of mass application of these players, instead of having one or two teams that employ these strategies with stretch guys. Robert Ory was a stretch guy in the 90s. Cliff Robinson was a stretch guy. So it's not like this is a completely new concept. It's just um, it's just so much more common now in the league for teams to play like this. And I wonder if this is going to be the strategy moving forward. I think Leonard is going to have his chances. I think there's going to be nights where Plumlee is going to be in foul trouble, just like he was on Mon- on Tuesday, excuse me. I think there's going to be Davis d- days where Davis is in foul trouble and probably Vonley as well. But uh, if guarding fours is the priority at that play, at that spot in the rotation, you do have to really seriously consider whether having Leonard or Davis is really a sustainable Leonard or Davis guarding those quicker fours is really what you want. I think it's going to depend on matchups. It's going to depend on who the backup forwards and big men are for other teams. So it's really just going to depend on that. So if you want to know whether where these guys might play or if they're going to play, you know, maybe look ahead to the the guys on the bench and see, uh, you know who maybe is getting minutes for them and what types of things that they do and and I think with with Spates out there tonight and them going with Wes Johnson and going going super super small out there outside of Spates and Spates himself being a kind of a floor spacer really I think it made sense that for them to go quicker with Vonley but Vonley two on the glass not really doing as much as I would like for him to do. Ed Davis obviously snags a lot of rebounds. Evan Turner snagging some rebounds. But um so 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 perhaps it, it, maybe I'm overreacting a little bit about Vonley's individual rebounding numbers because guys on his team are getting rebounds, but uh he, he's still getting some times where he gets blown by a little bit and 
not to say that that doesn't happen with other guys that may play there, but he he needs to be a little bit tighter on the defensive end. And I think the Blazers as a whole need to be a little bit tighter on the defensive end. Their defense hasn't been very good in the first two games. It's early. Their defensive rating hasn't been great. Again, it's early, but uh, they're going to have to start to level out that defense. I don't know where they pick. I, I don't know where exactly they're going to pick it up. And also, uh, I can't say right now where that measures up in terms of the average. I just know that 108 tends to not be a good number for your defensive rating. Uh, so um, at least it hasn't been in years past. So uh, the Blazers defense hasn't been great in the first two games. Uh, first game they played Utah without two of their best players. So that was maybe a little surprising that they played so well offensively. And the Clippers were excellent offensively tonight. And they were definitely much better than the Jazz. So uh, I think this is really a game that really, uh, you know, hurt 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 their rating, I guess. But um, yeah, that, that that's going to be it for, for, for this episode of Locked On Blazers. Uh, the Blazers play on Saturday night. They head to Denver uh, to face the Nuggets. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier, Nikola Jokic, Yusuf Nurkic, Emmanuel Moutier, former Blazer Will Barton. The thrill. Uh, should be a fun game. I love watching the Nuggets. They they're not. I don't think they're a good team per se, though. They're a fun team. They, obviously, they they got Will Barton, Gallinari. Their big man experiment is pretty interesting in that they're zigging while a lot of teams are zagging. Uh, they they play two seven footers in the middle a lot. Um, you know, Kenneth Reed is still there. Michael Malone, good coach who used to coach the the Sacramento Kings and was fired. So I think that is going to be a tough game. Portland's first road game of the season. Uh, to see how they respond after their first loss against the Clippers, who uh, beat them after losing to the Blazers in the playoffs last season. And this is, you know, the Blazers could be in danger of a a potential three-game losing streak if they don't get this one because uh, they, they got the Warriors coming up after the game on Saturday against the Denver Nuggets. But, uh, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one when we get to it. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers drop their second game of the season to the Los Angeles Clippers to fall to one and one on the season. Damian Lillard with 29 points, but ultimately Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and the Clippers bench most of all, uh, just just too much for for the Blazers tonight. Uh, and that's going to be it for this edition of Lockdown Blazers. I'm your host Eric Garcia Gunderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Gunderson. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you're listening to us on FanRag Sports, thank you for listening, and please subscribe. Uh, as I mentioned, to iTunes, Audio Boom, you can find us there where our podcast is hosted. Stitcher, you can also find us on TuneIn FM and Google Play. So look for us wherever you can get a podcast. Tell your friends and uh, come back again soon. We'll be right here waiting for you on Locked On Blazers for the Locked On Podcast Network.
With the holidays around the corner, now's your chance to save time and money at Safeway Stock Up Sale. Plus, earn four times gas reward points on participating items. Look for tags on items like Honey Nut Cheerios. Select varieties are four for eight dollars with your club card. And select varieties of Betty Crocker Cake Mix, Brownie Mix, or Frosting are ten for ten dollars with your club card. Maximum gas reward at participating Sunoco stations is twenty cents per gallon and one dollar per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill of up to twenty-five gallons. Other restrictions, limitations, and exclusions apply. For complete details, go to Safeway.com.